So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com magnitude of pain I feel when I get punched in the face um, definitely it's going down but uh, you know the, uh, the fist gets bigger fascinatingly enough this is success leaves clues an automotive industry podcast and I'm your host Thomas Hayes in the course of building a successful shop or in the case of our guest eight of them there are mental roadblocks that get in our way such as fears, feelings of inadequacy, and overwhelm. The truly sad part is that most people don't actually overcome these feelings and unhelpful ways of thinking. Instead, they let these roadblocks dictate their actions, leading to stagnation and limitations on their growth. My guest today, Dave Markert of True Automotive, will reveal the clues that helped him push through and overcome these challenges, which has allowed him to build an incredible, thriving auto repair company. It's a great conversation, so stick around. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Dave, so happy to have you with us today. You're a killer operator. You've done some huge things and you're continuing to make big moves. Tell us about your journey of developing the mindset that has allowed you to have such success. So since uh, the very beginning, as our shops have grown and as we've become whatever your definition of successful is, you know, there's always been a not good enough, feeling out of place, um, deserving of, et cetera, et cetera, feeling that I still struggle with to this day as we continue to grow, as we continue to become more successful. Um, and, you know, I'm leading people and I have, you know, a lot of, lot of teammates now. How many employees now? Um, between the entire group, 96, 56 in Atlanta. Wow. Um, how so many stores? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one's not open yet, but we do have four employees for it. Nice. So, you know, a lot of teammates, a lot of people looking up to you, a lot of people hold you in high regard, respect you, so on and so forth. And, uh, it's uncomfortable 
sometimes to be in that position. And uh, I'm not sure where things went wrong in my wiring way back when or whatever, but it's this love-hate battle because it also is the continual driver to grow, succeed, learn more, et cetera, et cetera, because of the, you know, I haven't arrived yet or I'm not good enough yet or I'm not successful enough yet or whatever. Yeah. So um, constantly thirst for knowledge and information and growth opportunities and more teammates and more stores and more revenue. And, and I don't know when, if ever we'll arrive, you know, we have a big outlandish goal for 40 or 50 stores. My concern is we might actually get there and, uh, I'm still running, <laughs> Yeah, which is, you know, has had its benefits because, you know, that, that builds a lot of perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, when things go awry or go wrong or you, you know, get derailed, um, you know, you've, you've had to punch through and punch your way out of a lot of situations because you're trying to grow so much and learn so much and rub elbow, rub elbows with so many people that are smarter than you and better than you. Um, that, you know, you, you sometimes get a feeling of this is just the way that, you know, I can't ultimately fail. Um, but success is not achieved yet and it will continue to be harder and harder. Um, as the, uh, decision, you know, decisions you make and, um, you know, I've heard in the past from somebody I was listening to speak that, you know, as you grow your business, um, you know, you used, in the very beginning, you know, you would have thousand dollar problems and they would be wrecking you and gut wrenching and, uh, you know, customers transmission exploded. You just serviced thousand dollar problem. It's like, oh, it's horrible. End of the world, World War Three, you know, blah, blah. And then you grow your business to, you know, two million dollar a year store. And then thousand dollar problem is like, yeah, you know, high five. At least it's not ten grand. And a ten thousand dollar problem is scary. Mm-hmm. And then you grow to five million dollars. And then a ten thousand dollar problem is annoying. But what was crushing and making you want to curl up in fetal position before suddenly is not that bad. You know, I've been there, been through it. Who cares? You know, ow, don't want to do that again. But it's it's not doomsday. And as the, you know, as the business grows and as the number of teammates grow and so on and so forth, um, you know, you continue to have uh, the thicker skin necessary to deal with larger and larger problems, you know, bigger uh, banker situations, bigger lawyer situations, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, You know, five years ago, uh, before we bought our second store, I looked at a second location um, that was, I think it was two and a half million dollars, two million dollars, um, all in for the deal. And I was doing the math in my head and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, like, I'm never going to be able to afford something like this. And this is terrifying that there's actually shops out there that can, that can afford this. And we ultimately bought a second location. I think we paid 850,000 business and real estate all in. And, you know, ultimately it's successful and blah, blah. And, uh, 
a month and a half ago, we bought a three and a half million dollar deal. And still slightly terrifying, but the fact that that you know we did it and the math shakes out and and again a couple of years ago, I'm like, that's just impossible. There's no way that that could ever work. There's no way I could ever convince someone to loan me that much money, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, here we are, and it's rock and rolling. We're doing awesome. And you know, my threshold for um, fear and pain and whatnot has shifted yet again. Um, and I see a, you know, a five million dollar deal, and I'm like, could that work? It's like, what's the math like on that? It's not scary. Fearful anymore because I've done a three and a half one. And again, there's obviously an auto repair. There's a threshold where the math's never going to work. But it is interesting that, you know, what scared the crap out of me years and years ago is now, you know, a million and a half, two million dollar deal was that's an easy deal to do now. Um, the math shakes out the way it does, and I can do those in my sleep. And I can get lending power on that in my sleep. Lawyers love it, everybody loves it. Um, and again, before it was, you know, our first building that we bought was 890,000. And then our second store was 850. And, uh, our fourth location was 885. And that was just kind of our threshold for lending power and comfortability. And, you know, the mortgage is five grand a month or four grand a month. It's manageable no matter how good, bad, or ugly the business does. And I would always, I'm like, okay, well, you know, the, the original store does this much, you know, no matter what, I can afford two or three $5,000 a month mortgages mm -hmm. all day long. And uh, when we finally jumped into the fifth store and the sixth and et cetera, et cetera, it was, you know, that was a big leap of comfortability. And um, now that we've done it, it's, you know, it's just normal. Yeah. And a million and a half dollar deal, which was, you know, our, I guess, um, sixth technically, and the one in Atlanta is our seventh. But the, uh, you know, million and a half, two million dollar deal is easy and doesn't scare me and whatnot. When years ago, I'm like, no one will ever lend me that much money. Mm -hmm. And I will never, you know, the fear of being able to afford that, make the mortgage consistently for the next 20 years, you know. And uh, the bar is raised, and I don't know when it'll stop, but it is very interesting to see the, uh, you know, where right now, you know, a, a $20,000 problem pops up at a shop. It's like, that's really annoying. But, you know, the, the, uh, the decisions I'm making have to be, you know, $20,000 an hour decisions, $10,000 an hour decisions, whereas before they were, thousand dollar an hour decisions. Yeah. And then before that, you know, I was a tech and every hour of my time was worth 130 bucks, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and again, the bar keeps getting raised over and over again and it's very exciting, but no matter the level of achievement and number of stores, number of teammates, you know, once we get over to that, next hurdle that we're standing in front of, there's a feeling of, do I belong here? How did I even get here? Um, is this going to crash and burn tomorrow? You know, feel uh, uncomfortable in my own shoes sometimes. 
Um, all the while, super grateful, happy with my success and my team and um, the people I've put in place and um, people I surround myself with. And that's super important to me. But all the while, there's a alienness to achievement and success. There has been a paradigm shift probably in the last 36 months, um, maybe two years, I would say, where, uh, you know, I've reflected more on all my experience and my experiences, good, bad, and ugly. And, um, you know, that definitely bolsters your confidence, even when that's something you struggle with a lot. Um, you know, self-confidence in general is look at all these, if nothing else, experiences I've had that have gotten me where I am today. And I have others looking to me for advice um, where I used to be the, the leech in the room, which there's nothing wrong with. Um, you know, I used to be the one asking all the questions and chasing everybody for answers and so on and so forth, um, which again, I attribute to getting me partially where I am today. But, uh, you know, now after having a lot of the experiences I've had as a business owner in general, as a shop owner, customers, and so on and so forth, you know, we did 11,000 cars last year um, and tons of teammates, tons of dollars passing through, so on and so forth. And so it's a lot of experience. And again, now I have people asking me questions all the while I'm still asking other people questions. They're just much different now. And the questions people are asking me are the same ones I was asking four or five years ago. And I'm asking other people now much bigger, crazier questions, you know, um, corporate structure and, you know, uh, real estate deals and, um, how to deal with different high level bankers and how to continue maintaining capital and so on and so forth stuff. I'd never imagine I'd need to know about or understand. Um, and so that definitely, you know, if something walks up and tries to burn you a little, it's like, uh, you know, I got to like chew kind of thing. Um, because, you know, I've been through a lot and, metaphorically or physically, I have much thicker skin now for minor setbacks and inconveniences and, and whatnot. Um, like I said earlier, you know, the problems I deal with that freak me out now are way bigger than a year ago, than two years ago, than five years ago. Yeah. And two years ago's problems don't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Just another day in the life of a small business owner quickly becoming a medium business owner. What I'm hearing the most in your story is that, you know, all these feelings that you're having, you know, am I good enough? Is this going to crash? You know, et cetera. They're all fears, right? What you've been able to tap into that I don't think a lot of people have is this ability to see the fear, to feel the fear to experience it viscerally and yet to still move forward. 
why have you been able to do that? I think, again, it comes down to um, looking back at all the other times I've been knocked down and all the other horrible, horrible bad nights and fearful evenings and self-reflection and so on and so forth I've had and ultimately seem to always overcome. And I have the most amazing support system, the most amazing team, family, friends. I have 50 people I can call, other shop owners, other business owners all over the country at any moment. Hey, this horrible thing's happening. I need some advice. And, uh, you know, ultimately I feel like no matter how scary it is, you know, we ultimately can't fail. Um, this massive support system, this amazing team we have will not let us. Um, my family, my, my, uh, business partners, my, you know, employees, they, we can't fail with this amazing collaboration of people we have. Um, no matter how deep in water we get, how, uh, upside down, you know, whatever. Um, I've got banker relationships and lawyer relationships and so on and so forth. You know, if I need 150 grand tomorrow morning, I can call three different people and they'll figure out how to get it to me. And, uh, you know, just continuing to build relationships with teammates, relationships with family, relationships with business networking people, bankers, lawyers, you know, and being nice, sending everybody Christmas cards, you know, building relationships with vendors, you know, parts vendors, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's all about the relationships. And as a, you know, massive, massive family, if you want to call it that, you know, you're unstoppable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm friends with a number of other very large, very quickly growing shop owners. And, you know, I feel like together as a group, we're unstoppable. Um, because again, there's, you know, some, someone somewhere has been through whatever hurdle I'm faced with and has overcome it in some way. And if that way doesn't necessarily work, it usually at least spurs an idea on how to get past whatever hurdle I'm facing. And maybe it's a teammate problem. Maybe it's a banker problem. Maybe it's, uh, you know, operations, maybe the store's too big, too small, whatever. Um, but somebody has some brilliant advice somewhere and the thirst for knowledge, the thirst to grow the network is, I, I would say my not only saving grace, but what has um, given me the confidence to be able to blow through any um, fearful, scary situation I might be faced with. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust Leads Near Me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Is there 
a time you could share with us where you, you know, you're, you're giving us, you know, broadly how this is working for you and what you're doing, but do you have an example of, of a time when, you know, you were feeling that fear, you were uncertain about something, something was crashing, whatever. And, you know, you use the network, you used, you know, your team, you used your family, the people around you to help you push through. Do you have an example of that? Um, a couple, uh, probably three or four years ago. Um, yeah, it might've been four years ago. Uh, we had a second store. Um, we were learning the good, bad, and ugly of going multi-location. Our stores are first two stores in Atlanta are 50 miles apart, 45 miles apart. So you couldn't easily run back and forth between the two. We were learning about building up managers and leaders and so on and so forth. And um, essentially, because we had not built a leadership team, we were kind of uh, flighty from a leadership perspective and managerial. And uh, we would jump in and try to lead and manage the team, and then we'd be gone for a week or two. And as you'd expect, that doesn't work very well for maintaining a relationship. And especially if your leadership style is very inspiration based, um, when you're not there, that kind of wanes. And especially with a multiplicative feeling of kind of abandonment and, Oh, he's off doing, you know, his second store and he doesn't care about us anymore. Anyways. Um, I had, uh, three out of our five techs at our big store, um, walk out in one day. Mm. and That's uh, a scary day. Cascaded. I leaned hard into the shop foreman um, about continual issues that don't, don't matter. And uh, he basically walked out and he went to two of my techs and took them with him. Mm. And so my 200 plus 250K a month store um, with five techs in the back and three people up front and GS here and there um, went from being able to pay the bills to not, uh, you know, you, you ring out two texts, you can get 115, maybe if you're lucky. Um, and our overhead there was substantial because we'd grown the store into this behemoth. But um, I obviously panicked, freak out, World War III is happening. I'm going to lose everything. Second store is gone. First store questionable best. Maybe if I steal all the staff and blah, blah, and, uh, called five or six people, um, that were all either recent MSOs or had been at it for a while or were considering it, or it had this happen to them and, uh, got some great advice, got some inspiration, got my mind turned around that, Hey, you know, you've actually been calling me about these couple particular teammates for six months to a year on how to handle mm. this and that and this and that and this and that. And, you know, I've kind of poked at you that you needed to do something about it. And this isn't, you know, the way I expected it to go down, but Hey, you know, time to improve time to, you know, upgrade. Um, you needed to make some moves with those teammates anyway. And uh, your hand got forced, which is unfortunate and scary, but here you are. Um, now you have the chance to get some new teammates and rebuild your culture because um, that was the big elephant in the room and the big problem is 
we're having a massive culture issue stemming around one or two teammates in the back of house um, that were performing, but um, cancerous. And finally, um, having my hand forced and move made there um, gave me the ability to get some new teammates in there. And because that was, call it a third or half the staff or whatever, we were able to rebuild the culture of the store back into what I knew it had once been and hoped it would continue to be. Um, and again, as terrifying as that was, um, I look back now and if that happened again right now, I'd say high five, um, you know, great opportunity, you know, that obviously it still sucks really bad. Yeah. And I don't wish it upon anyone. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to happen, but it would not be crushing anymore. And again, the, the people I chatted with poured back into me, gave me uh flipped my perspective on the situation said, you know, uh, now you've got an opportunity to do something about it. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, a big one getting stolen from was another big one. I think that happened the year before. Um, and, uh, what happened there? Um, the quick and dirty of it is, uh, um, a advisor was taking deposits of significant dollar amounts as is our policy um, on larger jobs instead of to the company credit card machine, he was doing it to his own. Oh. And then when the customer would show up to pick up their car, they would stick the remainder amount due in our credit card machine. And then he would adjust the margins and the ticket to line up dollar wise with a significant. Wow. Um, the significant delta in what the customer originally had been quoted yeah. minus the deposit. Um, so the customers were under the impression they were paying full price and I was under the impression they were mad or something. I got all sorts of stories on why, you know, I, I noticed this was happening and I'm like, Hey, like, why'd you throw the margins on the ticket? Oh, you know, we screwed up this or we messed up that, you know, I had to customer serve and we do give the, advisors the liberty to do stuff like that to take care of the customer do whatever it takes and at the end of the day again um totaling about sixty thousand dollars over the course of four or five months and again pulling my hair out going through my accounting processes i'm like what's going on here it seems like we're doing good throughout the month and then by the time the month ends we didn't do as good as i thought and you know i can't see money missing from the cash drawer you know metaphorically speaking mm -hmm. but something's going on. Yeah. Tearing through smoke. everything, tearing through everything. And, uh, uh, finally, um, sent him home for a couple of days because of some fishiness I was finding. And ultimately while he was out, um, one of his customers called and said, Hey, how's my car doing? And I pull up this nice lady's ticket and she's, she's like, Hey, just call and check on how everything's going. I'm like, oh, it looks like you haven't given a parts deposit, deposit yet. And she's like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I'm there like, oh, uh, hold on one second. Let me call you back. Dig through everything. High, low, credit card machine, QuickBooks, bank account. Can't find this lady's money. And I'm mm. call her back. And I'm like, can you send me a picture of you know your receipt, 
your bank transaction. And uh, it, um, we had just a normal point of sale system or a normal uh, credit card terminal on the desk kind of thing. And she sends me a screenshot and it says SQ and then our LLC name. And I'm like, what is SQ? I Google it. It's Square, the credit card merchant. Uh, uh, where you can get the little thing that plugs mm-hmm. in your phone. And, you know, when you do like a flea market or something, you yeah. can have the swiper. Um, and so, uh, you know, I call up Square and I'm like, hey, what's up with this account? And they're like, oh, it doesn't seem like you own this account. I'm like, no, that's my LLC name. They're like, yeah, but, you know, you're not the contact person. And so I got stonewalled there. Um, but I essentially started auditing every single ticket he had done for the last six months. And uh, went through every single one where the margins were really terrible. Reached out to the customers, gave kind of a story of sorts and said, hey, you know, we've got a, a paperwork issue. You know, hey, I started, I'm calling follow-up, how was your car? Blah, blah, blah. You're still doing good. And actually had a couple that weren't, um, but just calling to follow-up. Wanted to see if you're still doing good. And also got this weird, you know, accounting thing, you know, paperwork issue going on. With our point of sale system, it's a little older and antiquated. We were on Mitchell at the time, so I kind of threw them under the bus. <laughs> and uh, could you send me your invoice? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's weird, whatever. So they'd send it to me, and you could clearly hold them side by side with what we had in our system and what the customer had received because it would get altered after they drove away because mm. they needed to feel like they paid their deposit and then they paid the remainder when they came to pick up the car mm-hmm. for the full amount. And uh, Mitchell doesn't have any you know, uh, change log or tracking or anything like that. So they would, he would go in and alter all the margins, you know. He's actually a very good salesperson, ironically. He was a little, you know, he would actually, because of this scheme, he would push our margins to our customers even higher than we were targeting, you know, hitting 68 to 72% GP on some tickets. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the, selling it to the customer and they would, buy it and then he would throw the ticket down to 30% GP and keep the delta basically. Yeah. So very clever. Um I again had very good accounting on cash, I had very good accounting on credit cards, I had very good accounting on parts and the big, you know, thing I'd never even considered is, you know, what if someone, you know, and again, you know, let's look at it from a cash perspective, what if somebody, you know, paid five grand in cash for a ticket and you threw the margins down to say a $3,000 ticket and then kept two grand and put it in your pocket and then put the three grand in the cash register and close the ticket at 3000. Right. And, uh, you know, we have cameras everywhere and blah, blah. And, um, someone would have noticed something as blatant as that for the most part, but, uh, no one notices somebody on the phone typing into their phone yeah. Um, you know, texting while they're on the phone with the customer. And I actually, you know, found a phone call where a customer had given their credit card number over the phone. And I went back in the cameras and I found where he was wow. typing it into his phone while on the phone with that same customer. Um, and it was just like, uh, but ultimately cost us a lot of money. Um, he was a decent service advisor. So that was obviously through the store into a little bit of turmoil. Yeah. To the teammates into turmoil. Um, what about you? Like, what did it feel like when you figured out like that? Oh, wow! Moment. Like, what did that feel like? 
Um, gut wrenching, um, nauseating for sure. Yeah. Um, especially because I, uh, initially it took me probably a month and a half to figure out the total. And, you know, he'd been there six, seven months and I'm going back through my head. I'm like, how big could this get? You know? And again, that, you know, what ramifications does it have for my customers? You know, what, ramifications is that for the team you know on a couple of tickets i found he would he didn't have any more wiggle room and he would remove hours mm. and so the techs wow. were getting shortchanged and so it was just like whole world's crashing down blah blah blah. and again reached out to a couple of teammates and um they poured into me and a couple uh people in my network and my family my loving wife put puts up with my um, stories that I tell when I come home after a long day. God and, bless our wives. Yes. And uh, it's supportive and, um, you know, puts, uh, gets up under my armpit and puts my arm around her, lifts me back up, you know, when I'm missing a piece of my leg kind of thing. Yeah. It's a visual. And ultimately, you know, a lot of people walked me through what to do, how to handle it. And uh, that was a big determining factor for us moving to a more um, modern point of sale system that has change logs and permissions and <laughs> you can see who's been doing what and when. Um, and it has, you know, real accounting and built into it and so on and so forth. So that was a big push there. Um, and again, I was somewhat lucky in the fact that, you know, while it was blatant theft, you know, it was uh, kind of a margin peel. And so I was doing a lot of tickets at break even, um, maybe a little loss here and there, but uh, wasn't flat out being, you know, let's say parts being stolen. Um, you know, that's that's much worse because your parts, you know, are disappearing mm -hmm. out of the shop and your parts costs go through the roof. I was at least getting some income for mm -hmm. the theft that was happening. Um, so a lot That's of, way to look at it. yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, people that I would call and tell the story, they're like, well, it, you know, it could be much worse. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, okay. I see that. Yes. Um, so, you know, again, leaning back on my network and friends and so on and so forth to, um, reassure me that this is just, um, another time to learn a really good lesson on some errors in your systems and processes and how you can ultimately get better. Yeah. And this will not be the last. Um, maybe it'll be the last time you get stolen from, but it won't be the last time you get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, you still have more lessons to learn. And I continue to learn more and more lessons. Um, and the um, magnitude of pain I feel when I get punched in the face um, definitely it's going down. It's good. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the fist gets bigger. Fascinatingly enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's really clear to me that the clue that to your success that I think can be the big takeaway here is the bravery that you are able to tap into through the people around you. I, I would say a hundred percent. We're all stronger together. 
you know, teams and sports analogies, whatever you want to go with. But um, being a small business owner in general, especially a shop owner, you're on an island. Um, you know, you you can't really voice to your employees um, everything that you have going on. They shouldn't be your crutch. You know, you really need some peers to um, support you and to give you a hug occasionally. <laughs> um, and so surrounding yourself with other people um, in other industries and other businesses and, you know, other shop owners, I think is imperative to, you know, we are stronger together yeah. and, uh, you know, whatever sports analogy you want to have, you know, linking arms or whatever have you, but I absolutely wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I didn't have the network of people I had. Um, cause it was initially very lonely for a very long time and didn't have anyone to talk to, you know, talk to my wife. She doesn't, you know, years and years ago, she doesn't understand, you know, she's a teacher. She doesn't understand the problems yeah. that I'm dealing with, with teammates and money and customers and so on and so forth. Um, nor do I understand the problem she deals with because, you know, kids are 20 <laughs> kids in a room together. That's scary. Um, it's a whole other set of problems, but, uh, yeah, again, I think tapping into your network resources, befriending people, doesn't matter where they are, um, is imperative to continued growth and success and surrounding yourself with people that are going through the same struggles you are and have already gone through the struggles that you have um, because they already have the scars to show for it. Yeah. And they'd love to tell you how they got them. And you can get a seed planted on how to not get, you know, punched in the face that time. Dave, this has been a great conversation. I'm really grateful for your time today. That was my interview with Dave Markert. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And I'd be honored if you shared this podcast with a fellow member of the industry. And finally, if you've got a great story to share and wish to become a guest on the show, please email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.